something ripping curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. DGB nominal, where the universe is a figment of its own imagination. All systems remain nominal, nominal, nominal. Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Well, this is the last one of the month that we're going to get out. One person who's on the, the other side of the pond who might be able to point me in the right direction is my regular co-host, John Berger. How you doing, sir? I survived the election! <laughs> <laughs> ah, what a big honking mess that was. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> Whatever. I, I did not want either of them to win, I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, there's, oh, well. there was a bit of a stigma with both uh, sides of the candidacy, really. They, it's, uh... they both came with a ton of baggage. It was just different kinds of baggage. Yeah. You know, I'm so sick of people who are, are just attacking anybody who voted for Trump. They have no idea knowing why they voted that way. The same thing with Clinton. It was just... I can, you know, I can see it from their perspective for voting for Trump because he's not a politician. Exactly. And, you know, it's the old guard, as I call it. It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat or whatever. They're still a politician and they've mm -hmm. still got an agenda. Absolutely. And then that's... I'm actually seeing a lot of articles written by Hillary supporters who are like, okay, let's, let's analyze this. And a lot of them... There was one guy in particular, he is a gay Muslim. So needless to say, he's not in Trump's camp. But his whole thing was like, you know what? I want to understand why people are voting for Trump. And he said that he listened to nothing but conservative radio. And he actually went up to Alaska to talk to people. And he said that what he found out was that it was just that they're like policies that Clinton supported that would have destroyed their jobs. Mm -hmm. It's not that people are racist or anything. It's just that they want to feed their families. That makes sense. You know, it, they, they just want to find jobs. And the problem is, this is the whole thing with the Electoral College that the whole purpose of the Electoral College is to keep the cities from dictating policy to the rest of the country. Yeah. Because the cities are just a tiny slit, tiny little bits of blue scattered here and there. Mm -hmm. And they don't give a rat's rear end about what happens to people out in the urban areas. You know, and what this guy was finding was that that's what these people are concerned about because the people, you want a job, you can go to the city, okay, great. If you're out in the middle of nowhere, good luck doing that. You're not going to be able to just suddenly move to the city and then support a thousand dollar a month apartment, that yeah. sort of thing. Th th it was really a great article because he was talking about that's why these people are voting for Trump because Hillary's policies will take away from what they've already got. Her policies don't really do anything for the smaller communities that need the help. No, you know, and it had nothing to do with racism or anything like that. And he uh, even and said that you know they would ask him about being Muslim and he'd answer and. He said that none of it was judgmental because they were just curious. And and some of the things that Trump was going on about that he was going to do, he's back down on anyway. I mean, he's back, oh, sure. he's back down on the wall. Some of the, the, the better points of Obamacare he wants to bring into force. Yeah. The real funny part is you hear all these people talking about, oh, it's just, you know, this is just an outcry from the Republicans. It's like, no, it's not. If you look at the number of people who voted for each one, the number of people who voted Republican in the past three elections has remained steady. Mm -hmm. The people who voted Democrat have decreased. Yeah. 
It was like 69 million for Obama's first term, about 64 million for Obama's second term, and about 60 million for this one. So it has nothing to do with the sudden surge of red states. It's that Hillary did nothing to energize the blue states. Uh, She did nothing. Some of the TV shows over here were making a big thing about this business with Trump not wanting to live in the White House or uh, traveling to and from the White House to Trump Towers every day and all this kind of malarkey. And uh, I read into it a bit more, and it's, it's not as, it's not what's going on anyway. The reason that he doesn't want his family to move to Washington yet is because, you know, it's halfway through a schooling year. He wants his son to be at the same, his same school until the end of the school year and then move them over to Washington, which makes perfect sense to me. Now, don't yeah. disrupt it halfway through a school year. When we when we, we bought this house in December a few years ago, and we said flat out, it is an absolute last resort that we go outside the school district because we don't want to disrupt the kids. Mm-hmm. And when we happen to find a house in the same school district, that's that's not an unreasonable thing to do. I mean, that he's just being a dad, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of things that are, you know the press are making a, a mountain out of a molehill, basically. I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, like Hillary actually said, give the man a chance. There's so much hatred. There's so much anger. And actually, you know, this this little segment would be good in the show if we could work it in because we're actually being kind of balanced. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just. I don't know. There's I mean, so I, 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 don't, so don't get me wrong. I don't like the man, but... Oh, I don't want... I didn't want either of them. I did not want <laughs> either of them to win. But I mean, not that we had a choice. It all just sucked. I can only hope that, from what I understand, a lot of the Republicans in Congress do not like him either. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that will be a bit of a stonewall. Plus, even though the Republicans are in charge of both houses, it's not by a lot. They don't have a supermajority. So there's no guarantee of anything going through. Yeah, and, and in two years, we get the midterm elections where various senators and, and representatives get put up for re-election anyway. He's so gonna, this whole thing might only last two years. Yeah, and to be honest with you, he's used to him saying, right, this is what's going to happen, make it so. Mm, and boy, through the Senate thing. is not going to happen that way. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. If so, he thinks it is, he's going to be in for a really brutal... <laughs> I still think, I still firmly believe he entered his hat into the ring just as a lark, just mm-hmm. to say, Ah, what the hell? I'm gonna put in for a nominee. What the hell? And it's stuck. And now he's just like, and he's like, okay, okay, we got to do this now. Yep. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have adopted Black Friday. My condolences. Uh, yeah, Black Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It seems. Um, we started uh, having adverts for um, Black Friday sales last week, I think. Oh. Things like that and political correctness, I do apologize that we've exported that stuff out to everybody. (laughs) All Black Friday is, is the stores being able to clear out their warehouses. Yeah. That's it. And and it could could be decent stuff. There are some decent prices for, for good stuff out there. But a lot of the stuff I see is just ugly, cheap crap that they otherwise couldn't sell. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, now we get a chance to get rid of it all and just say that it's a fantastic deal. It's like, yeah, that TV, if it lasts six months, I will be surprised. But hey, enjoy it for the time that you got it. Well, the, the, the TVs that were in question here were, were made by Polaroid. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. They were made by whoever licensed a Polaroid name. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's 
bargain basement stuff. It's like same thing with like GE. You think GE, wow, you know, General Electric. Sure, they do manufacture their own stuff. Uh, they generally don't do TVs and personal electronics. Mm. So chances are that's just simply licensed. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I've seen that like Polaroid branded like digital cameras that are utter crap <laughs> horrible picture quality and all that it's like but it's the polaroid brand it's like, no 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 it's somebody else who licensed the brand yeah no, we have a similar thing the day after christmas we have the boxing day sale mm-hmm. uh, which is basically our our black friday but so why did we in, sort of incorporate the black friday stuff as well but there's been a petition this year actually uh, from workers at uh, retail stores to try and stop them opening stores on the day after Christmas. Well, see, I don't know about that. I mean, I kind of get it, but in here, Thanksgiving is an actual, you know, national holiday, mm-hmm. and it's not religious. It's not religious based or anything, so it's supposed to be something that everybody can partake in. Yeah. And I understand that people don't want to have stores open then. Mm-hmm. You know, that I get. But the day after Christmas, I mean, well, to us, why not? It, to us, it is a bank holiday. It is a national holiday, the, uh, the the day after Christmas. But the stores are still open. And that's how it works. If, uh, you know, if, if uh, Christmas and the, the day after Christmas fall at the weekend, then you get Monday and Tuesday off, the following Monday and Tuesday off. Right. As well. I mean, that, no, that's fine. A lot of companies do that here, too. Because Christmas, isn't Christmas a Sunday this year? Uh, yeah, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, so I get Monday off. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. I, I don't... Uh, it, see, for that sort of thing with Boxing Day and so forth, if they... Okay, so if they're closed the day after Christmas, well, then the mad rush will simply hit the day after that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, is there going to be some kind of apocalypse where you can't live for another day without the shops being open? You know, it's... <laughs> It just seems really strange. But, um, it's uh, the, the, ironically, we, we have these um, the, the, the big I don't know how many of them, it's probably five major stores that have these massive advoca- advertising campaigns every year. And you, you wait for these stores' adverts to come on the TV because they've spent a lot of money on them. And one of them is for Sainsbury's this year. And they have some of the best Christmas commercials, like the one from World War One and Armistice Day. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was awesome. Uh, one of my favorite ones is they've got they got people to send in their videos of what they do at Christmas, and they made them into a little c- commercial. But on YouTube, if you look for it, um, there's a whole. It, they made it into a movie of people's little movies of what they do over Christmas which was really cool. But this year's one is all about a guy who wants to spend more time with his family. So he, he, he works in a factory and he devises a way to make like nodding dogs and things like that, put a mask on it so his boss thinks it's him in the office and that kind of <laughs> thing. So he can spend more time with his family. And now obviously that's upset the people who work in the shops because it's like, yes, yeah, so, so would we like to spend more time with our family, but you're open on Boxing Day. <laughs> I get it. I get, and and I, I said Armistice Day earlier. I didn't mean that. I meant the the Christmas Armistice. Yeah, the... Um, yeah. You knew what I meant. Yeah, the football game that uh, yeah. took, took place, which actually happened. I, yeah, I know. That's why that, That's why I love that, uh, that commercial of theirs. And then the people saying, well, that's just Sainsbury trying to, you know, make themselves look good. Well, 
yeah, of course, that's part of it. But it was also an awesome commercial. The, the other thing they did, they brought out this, um, especially made for Sainsbury's, was this bar of chocolate. In the advert, um, one of the soldiers passes a bar of chocolate to the, the other one as a like a gift on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. They've a, they actually reconstructed that in the old 1900s wrapper. To make, oh, nice. And it was really nice. Um, there'll probably be a lot of people that actually collected it just because it was a kind of kind of a collector's piece. Sure, why um, not? But yeah, has the same thing over here. They, you know, they you, always... you can get uh, you can get wrappers in the old style over here. Mm-hmm. And uh, another one is um, John Lewis's, which is a big um, department store over here, um, which is an unusual department store because it's actually run by the people who work there. So it's more of a co-op kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. So the people who work at the store are actually the shareholders. That's cool. They want the the company to succeed more because they get more out of it kind of thing. Well, sure, they've got a vested interest. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's one. And and Waitrose is is a subsidiary. So you've got John Lewis, which is a department store, and Waitrose, which is the supermarket version of John Lewis's. So the food department, if you like. Um, They've been going for... I'd say probably about 150 years, something like that. Um, and uh, they always pull out the stops with their advert. This year was a, a really good one. It's all about a little girl that gets um, a trampoline for Christmas. You know, the one of the, the, the garden ones, the big, sure. big ones. And um, she's got a, um, a, a boxer dog as a pet. And he's looking out the window at this trampoline and all the woodland animals come along and start bouncing on it like foxes and badgers and hedgehogs and all kinds of things bouncing up and down and he's looking really sad because he wants to have a go on it and uh, Christmas morning the the little girl's dad opens the patio door to let the little girl go out onto the trampoline and the dog's there first and he's bouncing up and down on the trampoline (laughs) (laughs) really good that's cute and there's a video a reaction video on YouTube of a boxer dog watching that ad commercial and he's jumping up and down at the same time as the other dog on the trampoline <laughs> <laughs> that's <fantastic. adorable. laughs> but yeah John Lewis's always have a, a very it's almost like a music video they, they always have a uh, normally an 80s style pop song that's been slowed down to make it sound like a ballad which seems to be the trend at the moment to put behind this commercial and um, yeah they they do spend a lot of money on it so shall we get this show on the road and uh, do a little bit of well a bit of everything apart from space basically you know what I wouldn't care if we included it too <laughs> uh, whatever we can talk about anything under the sun just make it a big uh, make it a big stew throw in a bunch of ingredients and mix it together and see what happens yeah see if it poisons our listeners or not <laughs> So uh, we'll be right back after this. Good morning. It's T minus 45 minutes until the final countdown commences. In less than one hour, if all goes according to plan, the three members of the Apollo 11 crew will blast off in their... My father's name was Edwin Eugene Aldrin. ...has dreamt of mankind's greatest adventure. I became Buzz. Destination, the moon.
we look back at the earth and watch it get smaller. Oh, it was beautiful. Apollo 11, this is Houston. I've got the morning news here if you're interested, over. Go ahead, Houston. Uh, an Irishman has won the world porridge eating championship by consuming 23 bowls of instant oatmeal. I'd like to enter Aldrin in the oatmeal eating contest next time. He's on his 19th bowl. Roger. Human nature and curiosity is to explore the world around us. And the world around us includes way beyond. Go Houston, you're go for landing, over. I got a go for landing. Roger, 1202, we copy it. We're go, same high, we're go. Okay, engine stop. We copy you down, Eagle. Beautiful view. Magnificent ventilation. The next generation of explorers should not ever give up. Did you know that right now we have a spacecraft orbiting the moon? The Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter has been at the moon for over seven years, providing unprecedented detail into our nearest neighbor in space. I'm Noah Petro, and for more information about the moon and the LRO mission, go to nasa.gov LRO and follow us on Twitter, at LRO underscore NASA. This is TGP Nominal. I've got a few Star Wars related stories. Variety Magazine have been quizzing Alden Ehrenreich, is it? I'm sure that's the right pronunciation <laughs> on, the, on the, the upcoming movie. And he's been obviously pretty tight-lipped about it. Sure. He was asked what he thought about the casting of Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. And he said, I think he's going to be great in the role because he's such a talented and interesting guy. And he has confirmed one thing, and I quote, I can say that Chewbacca is in the mm -hmm. film, although I know that's not a huge spoiler. <laughs> no, not really. He's much younger, as I am in the film, he joked, so I think he's going to be about 190 or something. Um, I, I don't think there's a huge growth spurt for him between 190 to 210, so he's probably going to be about the same height. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably just going to use the same guy that they used for uh, The Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah, he did a good job, I thought. Mm -hmm. It just confused me a little bit, um, as I mentioned before, you know, knowing that Peter Mayhew is on sticks and oh, yeah. then seeing him climb up ladders and things, I thought, ooh, yeah, that can't <laughs> be him. <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there were, sorry to ruin that, folks. There were two people playing Chewbacca in The Force Awakens. <laughs> Did you see also that Amelia Clark's been brought on board the Han Solo movie? Yeah, I was just going to mention that, actually, because she's renowned for being in um, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing has been mentioned about her role in, in the press release that came out about it, apart from it saying her role will round out a dynamic cast of characters that Han and Chewie will encounter on their adventures, which tells you nothing really <laughs> no but we're also so far out from that movie they don't need to give any details uh, it doesn't stop the uh, uh, the Star Wars community predicting what they think no. is going to be in it and it does make some interesting listening actually uh, talk, talking to some of these guys yeah I I've, I've gotten away completely from mentioning any of those kinds of things on my show anymore because it's just like what's the point we're so far out from any of those movies it doesn't matter you know I guess it's fun to talk about it but I just don't see the real value in it. 
Now this, this one will interest you though. Kodak have announced that their processing facility in the UK, that they've added mm-hmm. the capabilities to handle 65 mil. Yep. And the, one of the projects that is listed to use the Kodak 65 mil stock is Star Wars Episode Nine. I did know that, actually. <laughs> I, I have that in the show notes for my show. All right. And, uh, yeah, because um, obviously I'm a big film buff, because especially 65 millimeter. Look, you're not going to come close to that in, in digital anytime soon. No, it, it's probably as flawless as you're going to get. Yeah. I, pretty I mean, much. The, the, the quality of that film is just stagger maybe if we get to like 16 and 32k resolutions on tvs okay maybe we'll get close to 65 millimeter otherwise there's just no way so yeah yeah, i saw that i was like that's that's very cool and it's good to see that it's coming back digital is nice but as just about any director of photography will tell you film is better in a lot of ways you know it reacts more like like the human eye does than digital uh, the resolution, obviously, digital is not going to come close to it anytime soon. But they're getting close to 35 millimeter. They're getting really close to 35 millimeter on digital. 65 millimeter, uh-uh. So th- there are just a lot of benefits to film over digital. Of course, the drawbacks are obvious. More expensive, you got to process it, blah, 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 blah. But still, it's nice to know that anybody who's into filmmaking still has the option of either way that they want to go. Uh, and obviously, there's more chance of you noticing the uh, continuity errors as well. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, well, makes good content for extras on, on, on the discs and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that there are some, but is there any movie out there that really doesn't have continuity problems out the wazoo? But even the ones that don't, like your um, the animated ones, they, they make special continuity errors to put in as extras. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, on things like Toy Story and things like that. <laughs> I mean, that's different. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about they just do that just for the just for the laughs, obviously. Yeah. But I'm just talking about real live action. Is there any movie that doesn't have continuity errors? I can't think of any. <laughs> I mean, there might be some that have like really long shots. Because wasn't wasn't Birdman like one or two just extremely long takes or something to that effect? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that might have that, there might be some difficulty in co- in having continuity errors there. <laughs> I mean, but, when you when you think of things like um, well, Gladiator, obviously one of the, one of the, oh the most renowned films for <laughs> the amount of problems that they had in that, it's it's funny to watch now. <laughs> you, you keep pausing at certain points because you know something's going to happen. The fun ones are the ones that you don't even really. Like sure there are oh shoot what's that what's that one website that that's pretty much all they do uh, oh I can't remember now yeah I know the one you mean <sighs> yeah there's a website that's all they talk about is film continuity and, yeah. and bloopers and stuff but the fun ones are the one you just find on your own yeah and and then you just sort of look, did that just happen and then you have to rewind <laughs> yep it sure did yep <laughs> obviously the the big story Star Wars wise at the moment is um, about Carrie Fisher. Uh, and uh, her book that she's just released or releasing yeah. um, well uh, Carrie Fisher is finally going public with a secret that she's guarded closely for 40 years when she was 19 she and Harrison Ford then 33 had a whirlwind three month affair whilst filming the original Star Wars film in 1976 she said 
it was Han and Leia during the week and Carrie and Harrison during the weekends. <laughs> yeah. Um, when asked why she's waited so long to tell the story, she said there was a number of reasons for it. Most dearly important uh, was the discovery of her journals, which she found in boxes under floorboards when she was renovating her house. I hadn't seen them for 40 years, and after all this time, I'd genuinely forgotten they existed. And I thought that they were this incredible, kind of like an archaeological find. Mm. Um, so she decided to write the, the Princess Diarist, which is based around the journals she wrote at the time. The diaries and the accompanying poems make quite painful reading uh, because it's, you know, there's this 19 year old uh, riddled with self loathing and angst, already in therapy, but yet to be diagnosed as bipolar. The strange thing about this, she wanted somebody to be a young voice for her when they were doing the audiobook version, and she actually got her daughter, Billy Lord, mm. to come in and, and read it with her. And Billy said that she thought it was so emotional that she'd never seen her mum like that before. And she said, well, no one has. This is the most personal thing I'd ever written. It actually sounds like an interesting read because it was quite a turmoil time for her and a lot was going on in her life. So, yeah, it, it could be quite an interesting read. Yeah, I, I heard about that, but it's just like, okay, d is anyone really surprised that the two of them had an affair back then? Not really. I, I wasn't. I, just for some reason, it's not like it was like I would have expected it, but I wasn't surprised by it. But then you look at that chemistry they had in different scenes, and you think, mm -hmm. you know, is that really good acting, or... <laughs> <laughs> Is there something True. going on there? <laughs> Her daughter was in Force Awakens, too. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was in the uh, the control sensor, wasn't she? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With hairstyle remarkably like Leia's from the original movie. Yeah, that's right. Going full circle. Do you have the 3D Blu-ray? Uh, no. <laughs> I do. With all with the all-new J.J. Abrams commentary as well. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. I forgot how good that movie looks in 3D. Mm, it does. There's, it, it looks really good off into the distance, and then there's still enough of stuff that comes in front of the screen. A lot, I mean, one of the big complaints, and I get this, is that a lot of 3D is from the screen and back. Mm -hmm. And then the only time stuff comes in front of the screen is if it's like environmental or if it's meant to freak you out, yeah. that sort of thing. Whereas in Star Wars, there's enough of it that comes up in front of the screen that actually adds that little bit of extra depth to it. Even if it's just, you know, Han Solo standing in the foreground and he's just a little bit in front of the screen. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you see the mountains or whatever way in the back. Oh, they did such a good job. I, I'm not one for conversion. I would much rather have movies be filmed natively in 3D, mm -hmm. but credit where credit's due. They did a really good job with the 3D on that movie. The Starfield during the, the scroll Mm -hmm. Right, that's the first thing you see, and oh, yeah. it stands out like, oh, wow. Way in the back. <laughs> and The Force Awakens was my first film that I've actually seen in 3D. Really? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other bit that really stood out for me was, you know, it, at the beginning of the film, where Poe Dameron is firing that gun at Kylo mm -hmm. Ren, and he manages to freeze the, uh, the, the ray... Mm -hmm. That bit, that's quite effective in 3D. <laughs> yeah. Well, even stuff like during the sword fight at the end, um, saber fight, yes. Don't get picky with me, folks. <laughs> 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 I've been watching Star Wars for a long time. Okay. 
but uh, even d- during that, like you know, just the snowflakes coming down, yeah, you know, things like that. The one that really just blew me away was there's one point where the entire frame is nothing but that star destroyer pointing straight at you, mm-hmm. and the front of that star destroyer just comes right out of the screen. Yeah, I was like, uh, whoa, and you kind of get that image or that feeling you did when you first saw that that ship in in uh, the original Star Wars. Yeah. It just will go on forever. That movie is so good in 3D. Oh, also, 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 related, related. Have you seen Doctor Strange yet? I haven't, but... Dude, that is a good movie. I've, it, I know some people who have seen it in 3D. It, it's like anything else. It's an origin story, so the first half hour, you're, you're understanding what kind of a jerk he really is. You know, cause he's just an... He is an egomaniac... And, and narcissist that rivals even, um, you know, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. He, he's really that much of an egotist and so forth. But once it starts to get going, I've, I've read comments from people who don't like 3D who said that the 3D in that movie was phenomenal. And it was. It really was. Especially the one part for me, because I saw with my, my oldest daughter, or elder daughter, because I've only got two of them, and there's one scene where it's it's him and the guy that he's fighting with not against against like three or four of the, of the bad guys and they're all over the screen and the buildings are going full inception mode where they're bending and twisting and reality is just getting distorted all over the place i honestly cannot imagine watching that scene in 2d there's too <laughs> much seriously there's too much going on on the screen where you don't know where to look at and it was actually the because of the 3D version and where they center everything, you know, on on, on the Z plane, mm-hmm. it actually helped me to focus to where the action is happening because there is so much going on on the screen. But even at that, it was just as a movie. It was a good movie. Well, it's typical Marvel fare. You know, there's a lot of it's bright, it's colorful, it's got laughs, it's got action. Um, definitely go to see that one. It is a good movie. It's still kind of weird hearing Benedict Cumberbatch in an American accent, but you know it, it's all good. He's good at accents, though. That's the thing. Oh, well, he, he is. Yeah, he, there was he, not, there was no point. Like with uh, Hugh Laurie and and House, in the first season or two, you can see where he kind of slipped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was just spot on, as far as I could tell. Uh, Martin Freeman's good as well. He's very yep, good. He's a good one. Yeah. It, but uh, I know that's one one of these things that annoys you about uh, back and forth with uh, you know English actors playing American characters and the other way around. It's uh... yeah. I mean, if it's not in this case, I get it. Doctor Strange is an American guy, and he has been since the comics were started. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if it's if it's a role that doesn't need to be American, let the person keep their flipping accent. <laughs> what does it matter? I don't know. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I've noticed they've rebooted um, MacGyver. Yes. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> I haven't actually seen I've I've actually downloaded one of the episodes, but I haven't actually watched it yet, so um, there's, there's no hurry. <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be a lot of rebooting at the minute. I mean, what with the... Although it's been... Given good write-ups, the the TV series version of Westworld. Yeah, I heard that there have been a, a couple of individual issues going on. It's like, wait, 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 why did they do this? But 
from what I understand, that's a good series too, but mm-hmm. I don't have HBO, so I couldn't care less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's on a, a channel over here called Sky Atlantic. A, a lot of the, the good shows get put on there, and I think most of those are um, HBO shows that get put on Sky Atlantic. I don't have Sky, so... <laughs> hey, you know what? If they're not going to make the content available to everyone in a means that everyone can enjoy it, that's their problem. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. If they're not going to make it available to you easily, then pirate away as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I don't even think that's actually been released in the UK, the MacGyver series. That's another issue. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> that annoys me to no end, especially for TV shows. For TV shows, that that makes no sense. Fortunately, the new Sherlock is going to be day and date for the U.S. and the U.K. That's going to be awesome. Movies, I kind of get it. uh, Because what's been happening lately is movies have been coming out outside the U.S. like two weeks earlier before it comes to the U.S. And actually, I kind of get that because... We have a tendency of being jerks over here when it comes to our movies. We have a tendency of being far more nitpicky and um, critical of movies over here. So what's what, we're, what they have, were finding out was that movies that come over here, we'd rip it to shreds even though it was a decent movie. Then it would go overseas and wouldn't do well even though people were like, you know, it's not that bad. So what they're finding is that by releasing movies overseas earlier, people are more tolerant of it and they enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Then it comes over here and we rip it to shreds. But by then it doesn't matter because the rest of the world has already seen it. Yeah. I don't understand why TV shows aren't day and date. Or, or again, it all comes back to why can't you... Because, I mean, uh, MacGyver's on CBS. Well, CBS has an all-access. Oh, in fact, you know what? I got an article on that one that we might as well talk about later. Um, CBS has an all-access, which over here is, I think it's 7 bucks a month for the basic one. Mm -hmm. And basically, any CBS show that is currently running or in their library, for 7 bucks a month, you can stream it. Why isn't that available to you guys? Doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. This is the Internet. There are no geopolitical boundaries on the Internet. Well, unless you're censoring it, like, you know, China and Iran and places like that. But otherwise, why can't you pay, you know, a, a whatever, or even if it's six ninety nine, uh, you know, pounds a month, mm-hmm. why can't you just pay that and stream it? Because it's obvious you can't get the shows over here. I mean, they do that with Amazon a, and Netflix. So why, why can't you do it with other things? It will not. Well, I'll be careful there because there are shows available on Netflix here that are not available in Netflix Canada, not af- available in Netflix Europe. Oh, that's true. And the other way around, which again makes no sense anymore. I know that they keep hiding behind, you know, various countries' copyright laws and so forth. It makes no sense in the internet age at all. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> I mean, I can remember a time, and, and Star Wars is a good example of this. When the original Star, Star Wars came out in 1977, uh, we didn't get it till December. Only because nobody expected Star Wars to take off like it did. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about it, it was an independent production. It was an indie film, and so they really didn't expect it to do what it did. Yeah. So why put all the money into a movie they don't think is going to do all that well? And then it exploded. Suddenly everybody's like, what is this movie? We want to see it. Uh, if I remember rightly, when it uh, had its first release, it wasn't nationwide in the States. It was only in certain areas, wasn't it? Yeah. Like the first showing at the at the Chinese theater in Los Angeles, the lines went around the block. Mm-hmm. People were just shocked by that because 
nobody expected. Well, I take that back. There's actually a, a statement that uh, Sir Alec Guinness did expect it. He hated it. He hated the dialogue. But he said that he knew the movie was going to do so well that his payment option was for a percentage of, I think, box office receipts instead of a straight salary, just because he knew it was going to do so well, and that made him rich. <laughs> actually, whilst we're talking about that, um, I wasn't going to mention it to, on this episode, but I will, actually. Have a listen to this. None of it means anything. I kind of thought it was a low-budget film to begin with. It was just like another job, except you look weird. I got dressed in the costume. They put bits on it. I thought, cool, this looks good. There wasn't a lot of certainty as to what it would be. I had an invite to go for lunch with Alec Guinness. We used to go and sort of practice the fight together, like kids fighting in the back garden. And I was like, holy Look at this, what's going on? How many actors can say that they've got their own action figures? I said, how, George, how do you want me to play this? He said, well, play it like they do in the movies. Took the afternoon off, up to Pinewood Studios, and knock on the door. So within a week, I got a call to be in Star Wars. It was just a nightmare. I mean, it just turned into a Not everything's going to stay in the film. And I was quite angry and hurt. I suffered from like terrible depression, you know. The only thing that really got me out of this house was really going and doing this convention. He said, I'll pay you 300 pounds. What are we doing what? He said, sign an autograph. I said, are you for real? And there's quite a lot of politicking. It's all to do with money. They get just kind of jealous that you're taking a piece of their action. My face was in the movie, you know. Jeremy's got a bucket on his head. What's that about? Well, that's purely because it's Boba Fett. I can't say any more than that. It's not my fault. Fans all over the world are generally just brilliant. Come on, some of them are right off the wall. The little bit, Mr. Bullock, that you, you made a slight look. I said, yes, I was waiting for lunch. And you become friends. But I would just treat everybody the same. I really didn't have that driving ambition to succeed. Maybe that's where I've been going wrong. Star Wars is my main source of income. It's better than sitting on your ass and waiting for all the heat to overtake you. You don't want to be classified just as an ex-X-Wing pilot. It's a piece of us, or it's a piece of, you know, what, our, what somebody's life is. And I was in with the helmet on and walking around and then finally stopping with George Lucas. He said, welcome aboard. It's not a big role, but I think you'll have some fun. You kind of just go, you know, move on, you know. As the Sandtrooper says, move along. That was a trailer for a movie called Elstree 1976. And it's a documentary about the smaller part actors that were in the movie. And now they're on the convention scene. Mm -hmm. you, you do get to hear some really weird and wonderful stories about behind the scenes during that summer of 76. It is really worth a watch. And uh, the extras are quite good as well because there's a few questions and answer panels uh, in the extras. So is this already out? Yeah, it's, it's out now. Yeah. Hmm. Some of the people that were featuring in that trailer and, and in the movie, I have had the opportunity to interview these guys and ladies as well. Uh, actually, a, f a couple of them are now uh, on a recrew member wall. Next month, we're going to be producing our Christmas and New Year specials, which are going to be convention specials. And some of the people that are in this movie, I will be playing in 
some of the interviews that I've actually done with these people. So uh, that'll be interesting. Check that one out. See if it's available over here somewhere. I'm sure it is. Uh, Elstree 1976. Um, I'll put a, a link to the actual trailer itself in the show notes so you can have a, have a little look at that to see the faces behind the voices there. Um, one of the most prominent ones there is Dave Prowse. Was, it was in that clip. Um, and I actually got to speak to him earlier this year and uh, I'll be able to play in a little bit that uh, it's a very small clip that uh, I, I actually got of him but it was an actual real prominent uh, thing that he was telling me about so um, yeah so keep listening in to TGP Nominal and uh, all will be revealed <laughs> were committed by law-abiding citizens. They all have seen nightmare visions beforehand. The same pattern is repeating around the world, so there could be an overriding paranormal element. Are you talking about magic? Then we have to find John Constantine. Come on, it's a dream team. You, me, Zatanna, Batman, maybe even a Justice League. Let's take a walk on the dark side then. Your life is a patchwork of blackness with no time for joy. How do you cope with it? I have a butler. What was that? That was the first trailer for Justice League Dark, which has officially been released online thanks to IGN. Justice League Dark is the next installment in the DC animated universe. The film sees the world under attack from supernatural forces, prompting Batman to look for help from John Constantine. As a result, Constantine forms another team of superheroes to save the world. The roster includes Swamp Thing, Deadman, Zatanna, and Etrigan the Demon. The trailer also reveals that the movie will be R-rated for some disturbing violence similar to Batman the Killing Joke. Um, hopefully this film will not have the R-rating just for the sake of having it, which was one of the criticisms with the Killing Joke. It wasn't as graphic as I thought that was going to be. I, I just can't bring myself to see it. It's um, I mean, I, I full, I've read the original comic book, which I think in many ways is amazing, but from what I heard, they added to the front of it to try to explain Batgirl's story. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. It supposedly is just so horribly done, and a lot of the stuff was thrown in just for the sake of throwing it in. I just I can't bring myself to watch it. Didn't think it was that bad, but um, yeah, I, I don't think it should have had an R rating. Justice League Dark is directed by Jay Olivia and will be available via digital download, DVD and Blu-ray in early 2017. It sounds an interesting concept. Take the stuff that the Justice League wouldn't want to do yep. and give it to these guys? Yeah, pretty much. Huh. And, you know, bringing people from the, the underworld to um, sort out other supernatural problems. <laughs> And who better to, to get him on board? I mean, he, he deals with the other underworld. He deals with the other side. A great character to bring in. But I can see there being a bit of a problem between him and uh, Batman because I, I can see him clash of antlers there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like that remark at the end there. You know, when she says, how do you deal with that? About the darkness and everything. I, was, I have a butler. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that looks interesting. I might give that one a shot. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting movie, I think. And I think it'll change everything around for the DC animated universe because they can't mm -hmm. call it 
similarity to Marvel universe. They obviously can't link that in. Well, I mean, they, technically, they could, if they were careful, they could link the movie, you know, the the movie universe and the animated universe together. Mm-hmm. Marvel's done that with their their live action TV shows. This is true. They have. They they could do it, but they even throw in like in in Doctor Strange. They throw in some very just very quick links to the Marvel Universe. They don't actually have anyone or anything, you know, show up. There are no cameos. Let me just say that one flat out. But uh, they do throw a couple of one-liners here and there that link it to the Marvel Universe, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I will say this. I will say this. There are two credit scenes. There's one in the middle, which is just hysterical. It's brilliant. And that links it in with the rest of the Marvel Universe. Then there's one at the very end of the credits, which links up to the next Doctor Strange movie. So make sure you stay until the end of the credits for that. They got a way of doing that these days, haven't they? Uh, Marvel are quite good at that kind of thing. Yeah, and people just now kind of come to expect it. But still, I mean, definitely we stayed to see it just in case, and uh, we're glad we did because, like I said, the, the, the one in the middle is just funny as hell. And you'll see why. But the one at the end is a direct link to the next Doctor Strange movie. All right. I want the Wonder Woman movie, and I want that now. They've released another trailer. That movie looks so flipping good. It, it looks like exactly pretty much the opposite of the uh, previous DC movies that we've had as of late. Mm-hmm. It actually looks bright, colorful, lots of action, humor. I know, humor. I want to see that one so badly. Give me the Wonder Woman movie and give me a freaking Black Widow movie. Yeah, for sure. For some mysterious reason that no one quite understands, we're all obsessed with knowing which superheroes will be making fleeting cameos in Marvel Cinematic Universe installments. Spider-Man homecoming actor Tom Holland gave the Hollywood Reporter a bit of an insight into where we can expect to see Peter Parker over the next decade or so, revealing also that his character will show up in at least six movies. Nice. They give you options, and those could be exercised whenever, like, um, a cameo in Avengers or something like Mm -hmm. that, Holland said. Um, I'm unclear as to which movies, though. I do know that I have three Spider-Man movies and three solo movies contracted. But presuming that the the three solo movies means that three movies starring other characters from the MCU, like the upcoming Black Panther, Mm -hmm. the the new Thor movie, or Captain Marvel, for example. The Hollywood Reporter also managed to get actress Zendaya and Mm -hmm. to spill the the magic beans on her Spider-Man homecoming character, uh, which is called Michelle. Uh, at least that's what they think she's called, but they've got a feeling that Michelle might be uh, a pseudonym. When asked if her character was romantically involved with Peter Parker, she said, my character is not romantic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been reading up on the Michelle character, and she seemed to be more ancillary than anything else. Right. At least from what I read. So... I mean, no, but I wouldn't care if she's Mary Jane either. Let the purists worry about that. She'd be fine as Mary Jane, too, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, she said, my, my character is very dry, awkward, intellectual, and because she's so smart, she feels like she doesn't need to talk to people. Like, my brain is so far ahead of yours, you're not really worthy of being on my level. So if she comes off as a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. 
that's what drives me nuts about the purists who get angry about that sort of thing. It's like, look, you can't let the comics be the comics. The movies are their own thing. It's like the people who got angry that, uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson for the Marvel Universe because, you know, that guy's not supposed to be black. So what? He's doing a great job in the role. Shut up. But he did he did kind of become a black character before Samuel L. Jackson got involved with it, though, I think. I don't know. I just I know I have uh, friends of mine who are really big into the comics, and they were upset that they dared to change the character. All right, it's like thought... really? Come on! You know, were they just as upset that you know Aunt May is, is now? Oh God, what's her name? Oh, ah, uh, Marissa Tomei. Mm-hmm. You know, she's now young and hot. Uh, <laughs> well, I personally don't have a problem with that. But, I mean, even at that, why couldn't she be? Well, the fact is that. Peter Parker is now of an age that he would be quite young. Yes. So I mean, isn't Tom uh, Holland only like 19, 20, something like that? Yeah, so he's about the, the, the kind of age that he should be. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Tobey Maguire was a lot older than, yeah. than that. Uh, so was Andrew Garfield. Yeah, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, Tobey Maguire's got this kind of uh, Ralph Macchio thing going on where he can play characters that are a lot younger than his age yeah uh, there are a few actors that used to be able to get away with that and as I say Ralph Macho was, was, was one of those mm-hmm. um, but yeah to have someone actually of the age that the character should be makes a, a, a lot of difference and it would do to the characters that surround it so obviously Aunt May would be a little bit younger yeah I'm excited for the next Spider-Man movie you know, it, it's nice that Marvel's getting involved, but yet, you know, it's still Sony property. So that little, that little bit of fighting has has kind of gone away. Um, not that there ever was fighting. I think Marvel has had more issues with Fox than they mm-hmm. have with Sony. But still, it's nice to see that they're actually working together. Sony still gets to maintain the rights, but yet Marvel and Sony get to work together. So we'll see what happens with that one. We have a problem here in the UK. We just don't have enough scientists. Increasingly, science is so much part of our lives. We can't get away from it. It's not a choice. Countries across the world are investing in research and development because they see this as a way to make economies strong. If we are going to be a nation of people that innovate products for the rest of the world, we need scientists. talk to employers and to universities what they need are people with a certain amount of content knowledge but skills we don't have any alternative we do need a highly educated population uh, that's well trained in science and technology primary science education is squeezed by other subjects on the curriculum and by other pressures on teachers. We're competing against lots of other really exciting things that, that are out there that, that kids learn about and, and it has to be made equally exciting. Terrific Scientific is an exciting new educational venture. The BBC is partnering some of the most respected organisations across the country, taking science to every primary school in the UK. Welcome is delighted to be partnering the BBC in the Terrific Scientific project. And I think together we have a real opportunity to deliver a step change in how young students experience science in their schools. I think Terrific Scientific will boost 
boost the confidence of teachers and that's the key thing for me to be able to say as a teacher do you know what I don't know let's find out together that's really important at the heart of Terrific Scientific will be 10 science investigations carried out on a scale that's never been seen before in UK schools. Science is not just about knowledge, it is about finding out things for yourself. The thing that excites me the most is that children will actually be doing measurements, they'll know that they're tackling a problem, they will watch how the truth emerges. A unique innovation of Terrific Scientific is the interactive map. The map will become an open resource, allowing everyone to access scientific data gathered by schools all across the UK. This is collaboration at its best and genuine research by children for the good of the nation. And it's a world first. I think the BBC is in a great position to share knowledge, to inspire people with what's going on in the world. Every school can tune in to a series of interactive science lessons and there will be supporting content and ideas for how to get involved all across the BBC. Which colour do you think will go fastest? We'll be working on the back of the BBC's engagement to really provide schools with the resources and the experiences they need for long-term impact. Terrific Scientific will also encourage everyone to engage with science at home. For the first time, we've got something that is tackling a number of different parts of society simultaneously. We need everybody to be inspired by science, because if you just speak to the kids, the kids might go home and their parents say, oh, no, no, you don't want to be a scientist. We will really, really raise the profile of science and make a much wider audience aware of what quality science teaching and learning looks like. The measure of success is the number of people that become obsessed about science and realise that science is, is fun. I hope, because of Terrific Scientific, we will have more than a million school children, more than 30,000 school teachers, passionate, curious and inspired by science. Terrific Scientific, I think, will encourage youngsters to, to think about science long term, not just at school, but throughout their lives. I would love for Terrific Scientific to bring science into everybody's life so that ultimately, you know, we don't think that it's science, we're just thinking. Terrific scientific, we're ready. Are you? Ladies and gentlemen, you know it, you love it, you can't live without it. This is TGP Normal. Nominal, damn. Now, we all know that uh, Deadpool 2 is going through some well-publicised yes. issues at the moment with director Tim Miller departing over those creative differences and taking composer Junkie XL with him. Yeah. Uh, well, the whole X-Men franchise has reached something of a crossroads too. Fox is eyeing a reboot for um, Professor Xavier and his gifted youngsters in the face of X-Men Apocalypse's disappointing performance at the box office. 
and you've obviously got the end of the contracts for stars James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Nicholas Holt and the upcoming Logan film being the last outing for Hugh Jackman. Meanwhile, there's a question of Gambit, which has struggled to get off the ground <laughs> pretty much ever yeah. since its announcement. How does a Gambit movie starring Channing Tatum struggle this much? I think a lot of people are like me. Channing Tatum is Gambit? Yeah. Really? I don't even if he okay, he even if he does like the character, that doesn't mean he's good at playing the character or that he's the right fit for it. Ryan Reynolds Deadpool, no question. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, he was amazing. But I just, I'm just not seeing it with him, though. I think a lot of people are seeing it that way, too, because it's just like, he's Gambit? You know, Gambit, if, if from what I remember of the cartoons and, and what I've seen in the comic books, he's kind of like thin and lanky and, and so forth. Yeah, that that's not Tatum. I mean, they've also lost Robert Wyatt and, and Doug Lyman, and um, they've got absolutely no idea if um, Leah Sadu is still playing Belladonna Boudreaux. However, a Hollywood Reporter article says that it will go back into development once Tatum has wrapped up Steven uh, Soderbergh's Logan Lucky, so they're not giving up on, on Gambit at all. Yeah. So what's going on with X-Men? Well, Brian Singer will be stepping aside having returned for Days of Future Past and and Apocalypse, while regular writer Simon Kinberg is working on a new script that optimistically, I like this, optimistically includes the stars who may or may not return. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. But the flagship series will be reconfigured. Who knows what that means for the new crop of X-Men? Did you see Apocalypse? I have, yeah. Yes, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It just wasn't fantastic. No. You know, and it was not a bad movie. I don't regret my my whole thing for movies is do I regret paying the ticket? No. I sat there, I watched the movie, I ate my popcorn, I did not feel like I wasted my time or wasted my money. Uh, it just wasn't great. That That's the, the real issue with it. But the other problem that's coming in is that a lot of the actors that we already know from the X-Men universe, their contracts are over. Mm-hmm. So now it's up to renegotiation, and you know that's not going to be cheap. No. And that's probably another reason why they're talking about a potential reboot. Yep. Get some younger, not-so-well-known actors in. Get away with a few more things. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the studio is absolutely pressing ahead with the hot property that is Deadpool. Oh, yeah. The word is that uh, John Wick co-director David Leach is currently in negotiations to direct Deadpool 2. Oh, there's no word. It's been made official. It is official now. It's been made official. And will almost definitely feature Cable, who may or may not be played by Kyle Chandler, and Domino, who may be played by... And there's a whole list of them here. <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's so far ahead in planning and development. It's, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. The first, oh God, that Deadpool movie was so good. But they're so confident in Deadpool that they're already pressing ahead with Deadpool 3. Yep. And actively looking for filmmakers for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the room, it's rumored to introduce X-Force which has been teetering on the brink of a solo movie for a while now and was in development with Kick-Ass 2's director, Jeff Wadlow. So it'd be interesting to see where that goes. I mean, (laughs) talking about Deadpool 3 and there is problems with Deadpool 2. So it's like, oh, what is going on here? 
but that's just showing that they still have enough confidence. I mean, let's face it, Fox did not expect Deadpool to do well at all, and it went on to become the highest grossing R-rated movie ever. So now they're like, oh, wow, well, we've got the right character. We've got the right actor for that character. We've got an actor who understands that character, which is apparently the reason for the split uh, with Tim Miller. Apparently Tim Miller wanted to make it more like the other Marvel movies. And Ryan Reynolds is more like, no, we just want to keep it you know, lower budget, focused on Deadpool and so forth. Apparently Tim Miller wanted to go bigger Ryan Reynolds is saying, no, we got to keep it smaller. And that's where the rift came into play. I mean, Deadpool is is not supposed to be this big glitzy thing like the other Marvel characters are. Right. I mean, he's a bit like Spawn in, in that rep. Yeah. You know, uh, which I enjoyed. A lot of people didn't like Spawn, but I did. I really liked that. So, you know, it's gravelly, it's dirty, it's mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be clean-cut superhero thing. It's 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 messy. No, it's not. <laughs> that, that's one of the things that uh, Lexi Alexander, the director of, uh, oh, God, the one Punisher movie. I can't mm. remember exactly which one. She got a lot of flack on that movie and a lot of people saying, oh, it's the worst one. But she said, you know what? I can show you the exact comic strips that I used for a lot of the scenes. And my one nephew, who's like super big on comics, he said that her version of Punisher was the closest to the comics of any of the Punisher movies. But yet hers is the one that seems to get trashed the most, which is really weird. It really depends on your outlook, I think. I mean, obviously the people that were complaining have have never read any of the comic books. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're just basing it around the, the, the movie. Uh, adaptations but that's not the best way to be on these things and 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 Deadpool is very much like the comic books mm-hmm. very much oh yeah yeah Ryan Reynolds understood the source well so did Tim Miller they both understood the source material mm-hmm. and they just Ryan Reynolds kind of just wants to keep it there and it looks like Tim Miller wanted to go big look at Ant-Man Ant-Man with all the trouble that movie oh, had just you figure there's no way that movie that movie is going to be a mess. It's going to be an absolute mess, and I loved it. Yeah, I, I wasn't particularly looking forward to it. I, I really would have loved to have seen that with Edgar Wright directing. Right. Um, well, yeah, but even for what it was, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good movie. You know, you can say what you want about the bad guy, or or the way that they resolved it. Whatever, just still going from point A to point B. You understood the character. Mm-hmm. You understood what the whole idea was uh, was behind it and what was going on. And it was same thing, bright, funny. And what more could you want? Yeah. But I, I guess I'm just easy to please when it comes to that sort of thing. I mean, it was. What more do you want from a superhero movie? It was what mm-hmm. it was. You know. And it even had a lot of heart to it, which you don't necessarily see in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Because he did it all for his daughter. I mean, I've, I've got some of the most cheesiest superhero movies out there. Um, uh, have, you, have you ever seen Condor Man? No. <laughs> there's, there's probably a reason for that. Um, yes, I know um, of it. Michael Crawford was the guy who played him. Uh, and he's more renowned for being in musicals. Uh, he was in Phantom of the Opera. I was about to say, I thought that name sounded familiar. Over here, he was in a thing called Some Mothers Do Have Them, uh, which was a, a sitcom, uh, one of a kind sitcom, because he did his own stunts, and he did a lot of stunts in this this show. Uh, back in the days when we didn't have all these health and safety regulations, it was all done in the <laughs> 70s. The BBC never would have got away with it these days, that's for sure. And, uh, yeah, he plays this um, 
comic book illustrator and creator uh, who comes up with this concept of a, a superhero called uh, Condor Man and he somehow gets involved in some espionage uh, spy thing with the Russians and <laughs> uh, and he, he actually gets to bring his cartoon character, his comic book character to life <laughs> to uh, save the world from the, <laughs> uh, the, the it was another um, Cold War kind of story <laughs> again uh, Michael Crawford uh, English guy playing an American character <laughs> Oh my god, uh, that was a Disney movie. It was. Oh wow. And I love it, but it is the cheesiest superhero movie there is. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's the that's the 80s. Yeah. Do you remember yeah, have you ever seen a movie called uh, oh, uh Super Fuzz? Uh, is that the guy who is he a copper uh, policeman yeah, who Yeah. It was a policeman who gained uh, like superpowers. the guy's Italian. So you could tell that his voice is dubbed, hmm. and it, it had Ernest Borgnine in it. Yeah. So awful. Such an awful movie. But it's one of those that it's just like you still got to watch it. Yeah. It's so bad. I, I have seen it, and I have seen that at the cinema, believe it or not. <laughs> and the reason why, it was um, it was like a double billing. It was one of the um, the Sinbad movies. It was paired with that for some reason. And uh, I, I remember as a kid, couldn't remember what it was called. And then I saw a clip of it on something. And I went, I remember that movie. Because I remember he was um, floating somewhere on a bubble that he'd blown up with some bubble yes. gum. Supposed to be chewing gum. Yeah. <laughs> it was, the you, movie was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't he, he, he? Didn't he have a weakness if he saw a certain color? If he saw red, because the nuclear explosion that caused him to have powers was the the uh, the light from the explosion was red. Right. So every time he sees red, he loses his power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can make a pizza with this cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just so bad. But yeah, it's just one of those that it's just gotta watch it because it's so awful. Yeah, I've, I I do remember it quite well. <laughs> Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Stage one, your head's not your own. Stage one, stage one of what? More reports trickling in, same general pattern. People just stopping what they're doing and entering a fugue state. We're all in danger. Why? Can't you see? Sir, put down the knife. This is unbelievable. The traffic's gone mad and so have half the people. What the hell is going on? Between you and me, I think you're about to have a bit of a time of it. Convoy 4 to control, ETA to Cardiff, 20 minutes. They're building a cordon around the city. They can't do that. finish we love stories for now it's recommended that you follow the advice of the official police statement stay at home and stay safe now that was a, a trailer for um an audio play by a, a company called big finish productions as they mentioned a couple of times in the trailer there uh, and it's based on uh, one of the doctor who spin-offs called torchwood i thought i heard torchwood in the beginning which Stopped being on TV, I think, 2011. Now, this company has taken on the franchise as audio plays. 
this episode, if you like, um, sees Cardiff come under attack from a deadly virus. Uh, and it, it actually features the voice of the original cast, um, John Barrowman as Captain Jack, Jack Hartness, Gareth David Lloyd as Yanto Jones, and Eve Miles as Gwen Cooper. And this is a, a completely new adventure, which has been written by Guy Adams, Emma Reeves, and A.K. Benedict. Um, it's being released as part of their celebrations of Torchwood's 10th anniversary this is pretty much what everybody wanted to see from day one said uh, producer James Goss Torchwood's Holy Trinity reunited in a full cast box set so this is the first time that the cast has been together since 2011 to create these these audio plays and these a, a little bit like the old read-along adventures but on a bigger scale very high quality production behind them. The, the synopsis for this episode is that a medical trial has gone terribly wrong and one of the test subjects is on the loose in the streets of Cardiff. Within hours, the virus is raging out of control and bodies are starting to pile up. The government scrambles to control the outbreak, but it isn't too keen on anyone finding out about the dark history of the virus, as that wouldn't normally be the case. Um, Captain Jack Hartness has encountered the infection before and knows that something alien is hiding inside it. The city is sealed off and murderous mobs are raging through the streets. Torchwood has to save something even more important than the human race. Um, now, it's available directly from Big Finish at the moment. I'll put a link to their website and it'll be uh, available from other retailers from the end of January next year. Now, Big Finish, they, they really do produce some very high quality plays and most of them are based around cult science fiction properties. Uh, they're best known for their Doctor Who line um, and they've got some of the original Doctor Who's to play their parts from back in the day. Obviously, with the original Doctors, their voices haven't changed all that much. So you don't need to see them, you just need to hear their voice and that character comes back to life. That's the beauty of audio. But the other properties that they include are the characters Judge Dredd and Strontium Dog from 2000 AD, Blake Seven, Sherlock Holmes, Stargate, The Avengers. We're not talking about Marvel's Avengers. We're talking about the 1960s TV show. Diana Rigg and, yeah. Patrick McNee, yep. that kind of stuff. Uh, the Prisoner and, of course, Torchwood. Apparently... The uh, CBS Interactive CEO, Jim Lanzone, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, had an had a interview with the guys over at Recode, and he was talking a little about this upcoming Star Trek reboot, which I really want no part of. And after hearing this, I, don't, I still don't – this is not endearing me to it. <laughs> Apparently – I mean, you know about it, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. going to be a prequel. It's going to take place in the original timeline. And the starship is called Discovery, and it is one of the fuggliest starships I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> the way, okay, the way we have things over here in the U.S. is the Federal Communications Commission. They regulate stuff that goes out over public airwaves and and things of that nature. Technically, things on cable and are cable only are not subject to FCC regulations. So you can say and do and show whatever the hell you want. If you show something over the air anybody could see it just by getting a TV that can capture it. So they had to be very careful on what was shown and at what times and blah, blah, blah. You hear a lot of censorship issues going on about that or, uh, you know, stuff like, oh, that woman showed her bear behind at 930 at night. 
So we're going to complain to the FCC and see if there's a, a violation there, that sort of thing. All right. On cable, on cable, that's not an issue because you have to pay for cable. So you are voluntarily paying out money to receive these stations that are not going out over the air. So apparently, uh, what, what this this uh, Jim Lenzone was saying is that uh, sci-fi is not something that has traditionally done really well on broadcast. It's not impossible for the future if somebody figures it out. But historically, a show like Star Trek wouldn't necessarily be a broadcast show at this point, which is, okay, true. The other Star Trek uh, series have all gone through syndication, usually through cable channels, although there are some local stations that did license it. So that, that still could be shown over the air. But... Because this new one, Star Trek Discovery, is only going to be available on CBS All Access. There's nothing the FCC can do about what they, sh- what they show on it. So the, uh, when questioned about it, has said, um, he said showrunners were like, oh yeah, we could do that. Of course, the response is as long as it serves the story. But yeah, with respect to things like naked aliens and naked humans, as well as swearing. Okay. These are all potential aspects for the new Star Trek Discovery. Really? And you're supposed to be selling this to me? That's not the way to do it. I understand where he's going. He's not saying that it is going to be there, that it could potentially be there. That's one of the reasons why I never liked Enterprise, was because they just totally over-sexualized, uh, uh, what was the Russian, uh, <laughs> Russian Vulcan name? At least, I mean, seven of nine... Yes, they did, kind of, you know, they gave her that sexy jumpsuit, mm-hmm. but at least I liked her because her character still had depth. You know, but, to this point, I still argue that the Doctor and her character were the only two things worth watching on Voyager. But then if you look at uh, Next Generation, I mean, you look at um, Troy, I mean, her costumes are pretty tight as well, to be honest. I mean, they, well, yeah, but they all had the jumpsuits on. Yeah, really. well, originally she had that miniskirt thing on in the the original. Uh, yeah, and they got rid of that real fast, as well as that crazy hairdo of hers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, no, I mean, I, I just remember seeing some episodes of Enterprise where it's like, oh, that's just clearly there just below the nudity line. Mm-hmm. No pun intended, actually, now that I think about that, because they, they really were. But it's just like, really? This is not Star Trek. And now he's coming out saying, oh, yeah, well, we, we, I mean, there's a potential for nudity as well as swearing. And it's just like, what? Well, at least in other shows, uh, Battlestar Galactica is a good example of that. Uh, they created other words instead sure, of yeah. swearing. Uh, and that, that was fun, and it added a little bit to the fact that it's not on Earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, it's not like things were just completely hanging out mm-hmm. or, or, you know, whatever. I don't know. That just to hear that did not endear me to this new series anymore. It would do if the Ferengi had anything to do with it. Ha! <laughs> that at least added some humor to it. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> And then the one episode where they're actually there and she goes, their, their mom, you know, Quark's mom goes to put clothes on and it's like, mother, must you? <laughs> <like>, what? <laughs> so that at least added some humor to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's, there's no need for it in a show like that, is there? I don't, if they can justify it in the story, 
I guess, but I just can't see anything with Star Trek that would just blatantly justify that when they've had so many episodes and so many series where they didn't have to do that before. Mm, Why are they talking about possibly doing it now? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, even in the reboot of the movies, I mean, there was implied, Mm -hmm. but nothing out of place, as it were. No, and even then, in in uh, Into Darkness, mm-hmm. you know, Carol Marcus was just basically there, not wearing a whole lot, and people were just like, "Why? Why? That's not what Star Trek is all about." Yeah. So even the fans are just like, uh, "There's no need for that." And so now here he is saying, "Yeah, well, it, you know, we might have that on the uh, on the new the new series." What? Do you listen to your fans at all? That's the one thing I will say about Star Wars. They do listen to the fans. <laughs> or they've started to, should I say. Um, but you know, I think a lot of that was simply Lucas. Oh, well, putting the kibosh on it, sort of. You know, you're not going to do yeah, this and it, you're not going to do that. That's not part of my vision, so no, you can't do it. And mm-hmm. now Disney is just like, well, let's explore that. Yeah. And the thing is, well, you know where they said, oh, this is not going to be part of the new canon, the old stuff has, has gone, and now they're bringing in characters from the, the canon that's supposed to have disappeared? Well, no, no, okay, now in fairness, all they said was that, that those characters are no longer canon. doesn't mean that the characters are gone and the stories are gone. They can still bring them in, mm-hmm. but it, they're just saying those stories that you already knew are no longer official. They're not acting like they know that like they never existed or anything. Because I was over the moon when they brought Thrawn back in. Thrawn, yeah. I keep telling my wife, my wife is a bookworm, and I keep telling her you have to read the Thrawn trilogy. Oh yes, Heirs of the Empire. So, because I'm not a bookworm, and I love that trilogy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Thrawn is just ah, uh, and 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 the thing I like about how they've brought him into this into Star Wars Rebels is that. You know, there's certain characters in in the series that are not making progress, uh, and the Imperial Senate are getting a bit upset about it. So they brought in someone who can make a difference. So they brought in Thrawn into that role, and he's he's kind of competing with Vader. Uh, Vader and him do not get on at all. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, Makes sense. I mean, really, just knowing. <laughs> who he is and, and what his character is like that does actually make sense yeah they, they do seem to they want the same thing but they definitely want it in different ways I actually prefer Thrawn to Vader basically because he is the thinking man's baddie mm-hmm. I mean he, he you know he, as you know in the books he, he he says that you can learn a lot from your enemy by the art they hang on their wall right <laughs> oh yeah he was methodical and brilliant and it's just and devious and even that one scene about you know and uh, what was it an X-Wing got away I think it was Luke's X-Wing got away because he had some kind of of chaff that, that deflected their radar or their, or their tractor beam or something mm-hmm. and the guy was just like I tried I tried because he's figuring he was going to die and I remember Thrawn was just like and that's okay you, you came up to a new situation that you had not encountered before you worked your way around it so your task now to find a way to resolve right. that <laughs> so that it doesn't happen again. And and then he walked away with everybody just looking at him like, 
wow, because they all expected him to kill him. Yeah. And it's just like, that's how you earn respect from your crew. Just like, oh, man, this guy's good. And I like those um, assassins that he had, those Nogra. Oh, yeah. They they come they a nasty piece of work. <laughs> that was just such a brilliantly written trilogy. Timothy Zahn is, is an amazing writer. It really is. But, yeah, uh, that that's a character that... Once I saw that they brought him back, the next character I want them to bring back for this series is Talon Card, because he is the kind of smuggler that makes Han Solo look like an amateur. <laughs> <laughs> he is good, and I like the name of his, of his ship is the Wild Card. Nice. <laughs> Brilliant character. There's so many good characters in those series of books. Mm -hmm. I've just noticed in the in the latest series of uh, Rebels, one of, there's a character in there that's voiced by Tom Baker. Oh, really? That's which, cool. Which is brilliant because he's got such a great voice. And I just heard it straight away. I went, oh, my God, Doctor Who ah. is in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, so's uh, 007. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Daniel Craig. <laughs> I love that pick. You never would have known it was him because they made him take on an American accent, plus mm -hmm. the distortion from the helmet. Yeah, that, that's a good scene. I like that scene. <laughs> uh, uh, and I got to watch it again. <laughs> Have um, you figured out they did actually do explain the red arm? Not in the movie, but... They do explain it. There's a comic book out there. And actually, they also explain the red arm. They take it from the comic book, and they put it into the uh, Lego The Force Awakens game. All right. They actually did that. Because I have the comic book, so I read it. And it's pretty much straight on with what the comic book has. I was like, wow, that's actually really kind of cool that they got that detailed. Because mm -hmm. they also explain how um, Poe got off the planet. Yeah. And it's, I'm debating saying it or just saying, you know, just get the game and play it. <laughs> but not, I guess those games aren't to everybody's liking. I love those silly Lego games. I do have the uh, the the other uh, Star Wars Lego ones. I, I don't know. You don't, they're not complicated. They're easy to do. Sometimes those are the kind of games you just need. I love my Assassin's Creed. Oh, God, I can't wait for that movie. I want that movie. Yeah, I love my <laughs> Assassin's Creed, and I, I do love Grand Theft Auto and so forth, but sometimes you just need something easy and laid back and fun. And those Lego games fit the bill. Mm -hmm. Isn't there a, a Lego Batman movie coming out? Yes, because he his character annoyed the hell out of me in the Lego movie, <laughs> but apparently he was popular enough that they decided, well, okay, people love him, he's going to get his own movie. So, yeah, there's a Lego Batman movie coming out. <laughs> But he was a real jerk in that movie. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I've got to sit through an hour and a half of that. Yeah, we'll see. This is TGP Nominal. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialize in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. 
spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Right, I think we'd better start wrapping things up. John, this, yes. I won't be hearing from you probably until after Thanksgiving. So happy Turkey Day to you. <laughs> and, uh, yes, tur- Turkey and Carbohydrate Day. <laughs> this is the day that all Americans, well, I mean, granted, Americans are not exactly the thinnest people in the world, but this is the start of the season where it gets even worse. I know a lot of people are probably going to be doing a lot of traveling over the next few days. Oh, yeah. Um, it's so, the worst travel period of the year. So um, just everyone have a safe journey out there. And we will speak to you very soon. Toodles! Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. Be sure to visit tgpnominal.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com Because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes the RSS feed and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. Don't forget to rate and review us. You can find links on all our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.